Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. Mitch Friedman, your host here, and joined as always by Jeff Olson, my sound engineer par excellence. That's that's French, Jeff. Do you knew that? How about this? Crepe Suzette. Yeah, we're right on. Ooh, that makes me hungry. Lunch after this? All right, let's go. So today on the Pinocchio Project, I've titled this episode Molech in the Modern World. And so I'm going to need a little latitude from you right here at the beginning because most of you won't even know what I mean when I say molech. And so in English, spelling it M-O-L-E-C-H. And as you might be able to intuit, this is a Semitic term, ancient Near Eastern term, uh, but I'm bringing it into the modern world. Uh, but before we go into the modern world and discuss molech in the modern world, we need to identify molech in the ancient Near Eastern world. And so if you'll bear with me for a second, we'll have a little fun with words. Uh, molech is really the, the better translation of this Semitic word. Molech uh, is believed to have originated with the Phoenician languages with three letters in a Semitic way, which we would transliterate as MLK. Uh, not Martin Luther King, but just the three letters MLK. And these three letters referred to sacrifice, uh, like the type you would make to a deity or to a king, to a god. And a type of sacrifice made really in exchange for favor given to the one making the sacrifice or for the payment of a debt owed by the one making the sacrifice or for appeasement of the deities or the kings or the god's wrath. Uh, that was pointed at the maker of the sacrifice. So a type of sacrifice made in exchange for favor, for the payment of a debt, or for appeasement of wrath. So this is the baseline radical, or this is the root of this word, is sacrifice. Now it's joined by, in a compound way, a Hebrew word, a melech, which is the Hebrew word for king. Uh, for example, if you know of a type of Jesus Christ that's referred to uh, first in Genesis and then throughout the book of Hebrews, Melchizedek is a compound word. Melech is the first word, and it means king, and Zedek is righteousness. So uh, what we're doing here is we're joining the Phoenician root for sacrifice with Melech, which means king, and then we have king of sacrifice, but there's something that is so uh, telling about the way this word now is produced that gets us to molach or molech. And what happens here, if you know anything about Hebrew languages, uh, vowels are actually points or placements of shapes around the letters. They're not individual letters themselves. So as we get molech or molach, what happens is that the sacrifice and the king, king of sacrifice, is pointed or vows are placed that line up with the Hebrew word for shame. So the Hebrew word for shame is bosheth. And if you know anything about the, uh, the Israelites' journey uh, in their, their straining to follow God, they were worshiping all kind of gods uh, that weren't God. 
and what would happen in the language is that the, the God would be named, and then it, the vowels would be pointed to express shame. So what we're seeing here is molech or moloch, as you put all of these factors together, the root, uh, the Hebrew word addition, and then the vowels, you have the personified ruler of shameful sacrifice. So molech or moloch is the king or the ruler of shameful sacrifice. And in particular, what was going on in the ancient Near East when God was calling his people out first through Abraham and then all the way through uh, the promised seed that went through Isaac and then uh, Jacob and then the 12 tribes uh, very early in the ancient Near Eastern story of Abraham and then into the Israelites' journey. And as the, uh, the law was written, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, you'd see references to Molech and the worship of Molech, which means the worship of this shameful ruler or this shameful king of sacrifice or the ruler or king of shameful sacrifice. And the most heinous, a horrible uh, act of worship in the appeasement or the asking for favor or the repayment of debt for Molech or Moloch was child sacrifice. And so parents would bring their children to the statue, the idol of Moloch. I'm just going to go ahead and say Molech from now on. I keep saying both things, so I don't need to say those. I only have like how many words in a day? And I've already used like three quarters of them, just using those two terms over and over again. So in a, in a, in a quote-unquote worship service, sacrificial service to Molech in the ancient Near East, parents would bring their young children and literally see them burned alive on this idol in a, in a special table or tray made for their placement. And so this is uh, the king of this shameful sacrifice uh, in the ancient Near East, and the Israelites were commanded to not participate in the worship of Molech, particularly in the horrible child sacrifice that accompanied the worship of this shameful king. And we see an interesting just little sideline here in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham and Isaac, Abraham and Sarah have finally had this son that was long promised to them decades before. And in their old past childbearing years, Abraham and Sarah bore Isaac, who was the child of promise, the one that was to be the root of the nation and the population. It couldn't be counted, uh, just like the stars in the sky can't be counted and the sand on the seashore can't be counted. We see the, the joyous gift of this son Isaac to Abraham and Sarah. And then in Genesis chapter 22, we see a reference to what's going on in the broader culture of the ancient Near East when God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac to him uh, on Mount Moriah. And Abraham is obedient in the request. Uh, Isaac goes along. Isaac carries the wood for the sacrifice. And at the very last minute, as Isaac is bound on the altar, Abraham lifts his hand to plunge the knife into his son, and God stops him and says that Abraham should not sacrifice his son. And Abraham should look over in the thicket and see that there is a ram that has entrapped itself in the brush and that's what Abraham is to use as a sacrifice, not his child. So that is a word picture and an object lesson 
for what would happen later in the Mosaic Law that prohibits child sacrifice. And uh, Israel was uh, more and less uh, obedient to these kinds of commands as she went through her roller coaster ride of obedience, and even as God kept his promises to her and to himself that he would bring the Messiah from, uh, from the nation, Israel still wrestled with these, temp- these tendencies to conform to the cultures around her. So this, that's the backstory of Molech and ancient Near Eastern child sacrifice. So as I go back to my title, Molech in the modern world, I want to introduce you to the personified ruler of shameful sacrifice in our day. And this is going to get really personal. And I want to say that I feel for this enslaved image bearer of God who's enslaved by horrible ideas that have been decades, if not centuries in the making and have made their way into our social and cultural imagination as uh, behaviors that are necessary for us to live a life of flourishing. Uh, But I'm talking about our current president, uh, Joe Biden, and I am identifying him quite plainly as right now the personified ruler of shameful sacrifice, not in the ancient Near East, but in the modern Near West. Just a few days ago, uh, President Biden was uh, the obviously the keynote. Wherever he goes, he'll be the keynote. He was the keynote at a, a fundraiser for the Democratic Party uh, held at the Howard Theater in Washington, D.C. It's located on 620 T Street, by the way. And what I did was uh, when I, I heard some uh, rumblings about what he was saying in this fundraiser and his attempts to uh, drum up more interest and and voting intensity for the midterm elections. So as many Democrats as possible would retain their seats and as many Republicans as possible could lose their seats to Democrats. Uh, I pulled up the transcript of his speech and I wanted to uh, illustrate for you, I think a fairly serious, I guess, accusation that this man is now the personified ruler of shameful sacrifice, particularly child sacrifice in the modern Near West, which is the street where you live. And so he was introduced to this Democratic group, uh, some legislators, some uh, local politicians in, in other categories, but mostly people with a lot of money who could write big checks. And he was introduced to applause and chance of uh, let's go, Joe, uh, which if you know, because you see the laughter that comes in the quotes on the transcript, you see that that's a direct homage, if you will, to the cries of let's go, Brandon, that have been popular and you've seen them on T-shirts. And so I'm not going to quote the whole uh, transcript. Uh, you can find it for yourself. Just look at President Biden at the Howard Theater. Uh, but here is here's what I wanted to focus in on. This is your president speaking. You know, we're only 22 days from the most consequential election in our history. I would say that's hyperbolic in some ways. In my view, that is. In recent history, at least, elections where the choice and the stakes are crystal clear, especially when it comes to the right to choose. And on January 22nd of 1973, I hate to admit this, but I was a freshman, a 30-year-old freshman United States senator, and the Supreme Court issued its opinion on Roe v. Wade, establishing a fundamental constitutional right to choose. 
I'm going to pause before I go on. Uh, this freshman, this 30-year-old freshman United States center, senator, when he took office, he was adamantly opposed to, to legalized abortion. And if you look at his, his record over the course of years, decades, and his entire time uh, as a senator, you'll see a gradual dissolution or dissolving of his position, even though he claims uh, all along the way and still claims today to be a devout practicing Catholic. And if you know anything about Catholic doctrine, uh, it is absolutely uh, the worst kind of sin to participate in the killing of the unborn. So I'm going to continue to read after he says he was a 30 year old Senator when Roe v. Wade was issued. Now, nearly 50 years later, this is Joe speaking on the 24th of this year, the court issued the Dobbs decision, a woman all and all across the country, women starting at my house lost this fundamental right. Now, there's so much here I could comment on, Pinocchio Project consumers, that is absolutely rooted in midair. Uh, but I, I'm not going to comment on it. I'm just going to continue to read because I, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm issuing his credentials now to be legitimately called the king of shameful sacrifice in the modern Western world. Continuing, Joe says, I want to remind us all how we felt that day when 50 years of constitutional precedent was overturned. So now it's, now it's how we feel. Here we go. The anger, the worry, the disbelief, the unbelievable fact that for the first time in our history, the Supreme Court didn't just fail to preserve a constitutional freedom, it actually took away the right that was so fundamental. There it is again, fundamental to Americans. Now, fundamental means absolutely at the first principle, at the headwaters, the baseline for every other freedom. Nowhere in view at all is the child to be, that will be sacrificed. Continuing, sorry, did, am I confusing Joe with me? Joe continues, it took away a right and the fear that most personal decisions may not only be made by the women and her doctor, but by politicians. So what he's saying is this personal private right is now being taken the fundamental right is being taken and put in the hands of legislators. And I could turn this around to the conversation about what it means to preserve life, uh, as well as he's using it to justify this shameful sacrifice. Continuing on, and as I've said before, the court got Roe v. White, Roe v. The court got Roe right nearly 50 years ago, and I believe Congress should codify Roe once for all parentheses, applause. Now, just for clarification, this is not Joe speaking, this is Mitch. To codify Roe means that the, the law of the land, the federal law, the, the, the House and the Senate would draft a law that would be enforced and enforceable for all 50 states that allows abortion on demand with almost no restrictions. And that is not even Roe. The protection that abortion got under Roe had all kinds of restrictions. Joe continues, right now, and so this is his pitch uh, as a plank, the primary plank to have Democrats keep their seats and gain more. Right now, we're short a handful of votes. If you care about the right to choose, then you got to vote. That's why in these midterm elections, it's so critical to elect more Democratic senators to the United States Senate and more Democrats to keep control of the House of Representatives 
parentheses, applause. And folks, if we do that, here is the promise I make to you and the American people. The first bill that I will send to the Congress will be to codify Roe v. Wade. Applause. And when Congress passes it, I'll sign it in January, 50 years after Roe was first decided to be the law of the land. Applause. And together, we'll restore the right to choose for every woman in every state in America. So vote. You got to get out the vote. We can do this if we vote. Applause. Now, just reading this transcript to you actually makes me want to weep. Just the absolute upside down degrading of the image of God that is turned right side up and seen as a necessary fundamental right. It's a necessary and first needed fundamental right for me to be able to kill my child. It's so hard for me to get my head around this. Uh, and I, I try to be a, a sequential thinker, but when I continue to read again and again as I prepare and I, and I, I, want, I want to do a good job of this presentation, but sometimes just the magnitude and the emotional impact of wondering how it is we can live together in a land where the first and most important right is seen to be our freedom to kill children so that we can live like we want. That's child sacrifice. That's Molech in the modern world. So as I close, I want to make one thing clear. Whereas Molech was the deity or the king, of shameful sacrifice, Joe is actually a spokesman for and a representative for and bending the knee to the actual God and the king of shameful sacrifice. This God lives in every human heart and in our particular time and place has a very specific title. The God, the king of shameful sacrifice that our president is representing and speaking for is the autonomous sexualized self. This is our golden calf, that the self is to be venerated above all. Appetites are to be unrestrained. Sexual pursuits are to be normalized in every category. And whatever's necessary to preserve and appease that deity will be executed and accomplished regardless of any perceived sacrifice. This is our golden calf, the autonomous sexualized self. And this didn't just happen overnight. I mean, this, this is the, the cultural imagination that was cultivated really over centuries. Our golden calf of the autonomous sexualized self was fashioned over centuries in, in philosophy. I don't have time to to discuss uh, in detail the, the the machinery, the philosophical and the intellectual machinery that brought us to this point, where we have even our own president bending the knee to the autonomous sexualized self. But I will recommend a writer and a couple of his books to you uh, for your own pursuit. And I I pray that you would access some of these resources so you can understand clearly what's at stake. What's at stake literally are the lives of innocent, marginalized, oppressed, unborn children, to use the language of the culture. Abortion is not health care. It is the absolute oppression. It is the absolute marginalization. 
It is the absolute silencing of those who are already voiceless. So a couple of books by Carl Truman. Carl, C-A-R-L, Truman, T-R-U-E-M-A-N. The bigger book, the bigger volume is The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And he's also now made one for dummies like me. He's taken all the content of that large volume and it's titled Strange New World. Please access some of these these idea identification and reinforcement mechanisms that have shaped our cultural imagination to the point where sacrificing children is not only possible, it is now necessary for us to continue to live in our autonomous sexualized identity. This is Molech in the modern world. So if you'd like some more in-depth discussion of this conversation and, uh, and the issues that I've raised, you can go back to our season one, episodes 14 and 15, and, and re- review and refresh. But I pray that you would be someone who would see the absolute horror that's right before our eyes. And you would be someone who, even though you would not participate in child sacrifice actively, to not be a voice and to not exercise your vote and to not provide better ideas to these murderous ideas is to participate passively. Praying for our nation, praying for our president, praying for our unborn. For the Pinocchio Project, Mitch Friedman signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on the Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at pinocchiopod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening. And remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.